Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The Vegas Golden Knights may be Stanley Cup champions, and the Denver Nuggets may be kings of the basketball world. That doesn't mean there aren't dozens of props, odds, promos, and parlays available for you right now at BetOnline Sportsbook. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, with the link in the description to this episode to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first bet. Whether it's baseball, MMA, boxing, Boxing, WNBA, golf, or anything in between, a 50% welcome bonus is available for you. Bet online where the game starts. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live. On the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you may be choosing, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. It is a fantabulous Monday, June 19th, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you might be listening. If you are stopping in on the 19th, happy Juneteenth, everybody. Hope you all are doing fantastic. We are coming back at you with Monday through Friday podcasts as we have been doing for four years now. Four years. Something that motivates me to continue moving forward for a full-time position. Because I've made the call, once I get a full-time position, radio job or a full-time podcasting job, which will hopefully be sometime soon, we can take this podcast, make it three days a week, maybe two days a week. This is the motivation to continue pushing forward and supporting our dreams. And you all have continued to support our dreams in so many wonderful capacities. And we just appreciate you so much for continuing to stop in. Today on the show, we got to talk about the Friday news dump that came in last week before we went on our hiatus for the weekend. The NBA tried to sneak that little Ja Morant news in there. They were very strategic about Friday news dumping the Ja Morant story. At 11 o'clock a.m. East Coast time on Friday, the NBA dropped that Ja Morant was going to get a 25-game suspension And for most of this John Morant saga, if you've been listening to the show or listening to Morgan from Australia and I talk about this, I have struggled time and time again to find a unique perspective on John Morant, and I just really haven't known what to say about this situation, in part because we don't know enough about John Morant, the person, to be able to speculate about what's going on in his life. 
I don't know enough about the black experience or specifically living in the South and going through the black experience. John Morant being in Memphis and everything that's going on with him. It's been really hard to talk about this story because I just haven't been able to find anything to say about it. And talking about addiction and talking about young people and talking about dopamine thrills through carrying a gun and the thrill that that provides and using all that to cope with a lot of stress. All of that stuff is part of this John Morant story and I just haven't figured out a way to weave this all together. And with the news of his 25-game suspension coming in, I do feel like we have something unique to bring to the table on John Morant. And then a little bit later, we're going to maybe dabble in some of the Zion Williamson stuff. Um, Just one story that made me feel kind of sad and and make it easy to empathize with Zion Williamson in a way that I guess has been more difficult with John Morant. We'll save the Zion Williamson stuff for later, but the first thing I want to talk about with John Morant is John Morant shouldn't have gotten a 25-game suspension from the NBA. That feels like the easiest thing to say and then build a conversation about John Morant from there. Because John Morant is, by all indications, a young person in in distress. John Morant is engaging in in quote-unquote self-destructive behavior because the NBA has deemed that flashing guns on Instagram Live and the the reputation of beating up teenagers and having fights at the Foot Locker outlet and everything that has gone on, like the three different stories that were involved with John Morant before the flashing the gun in the nightclub last time were the reason why John Morant was getting the eight-game suspension and going to the 96-day Florida rehab facility and... John Morant talked about mental health struggles that feel genuine, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but the reputation is why John Morant is getting the 25-game suspension. It was he had already been disciplined once within the last three months. Now, whether you want to call it a discipline or the Grizzlies needing to put him in timeout for a minute because of all the stories coming out at the same time about John Morant beating up a 17-year-old at his house and flashing a gun at him, to John Morant getting into an argument at the Foot Locker, to John Morant flashing the gun in the nightclub and in Denver, and the, the, the Memphis Grizzlies, Stephen Adams saying we need to concentrate more and focus, and then the next night was when John Morant got filmed at the Denver nightclub, and then that video got released. Uh, whether it's videos of John Morant, and this has gotten less publicity, but videos of... John Morant downing vodka in clubs and bars in South Carolina and Memphis, like clearly using alcohol to cope with a lot of stress going on in his life, whether it's conversations about the people who have been around John Morant, whether it's the playing with guns. Reputational reasons is why John Morant got the 25-game suspension. And I'm not here to be like, this is hypocritical by the NBA because they're only governing based on PR. Yes, I understand that leagues govern based on PR. It is, them's the breaks is the worst way I can say it. Like, I acknowledge that it is ridiculous that the league 
governs based on PR. I am able to see past the fact that the league governed, and NFL, NBA, besides all of that, govern based on PR. Like in the NFL where Ezekiel Elliott got a six-game suspension for an incident with a woman where there's a lot of gray area that the NFL didn't really do a deep investigation into. Meanwhile, Josh Brown, the kicker for the New York Giants, who had detailed accounts of him abusing his former wife, he got a one-game suspension and then was able to return to the NFL almost unscathed. Like I understand that public relations govern a lot of the punishments across these leagues, and they have it down to a near-exact science of being able to read the room when it comes to punishments. Like I think it is ridiculous. I am able to see past it. Not everyone is able to see past it because we continue to govern based on public relations. I mean, I was shocked when I saw the number one topic trending on Twitter Friday morning was only 25, which could be about Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriends, or it's about John Morant only getting a 25-game suspension because everyone thought he was going to get the hammer from the NBA, as if him getting suspended for basically a third of an NBA season isn't a gigantic punishment in and of itself for the infractions that we're talking about with John Morant, which the infractions here sound like a young person who is using thrills and dopamine to cope with a whole lot of stress because it feels like there is no escape. Like, John Morant is clearly struggling, and John Morant is clearly going through a really difficult situation in his life as he manages being the uh, like the face of American basketball for a generation. And again, him and Zion Williamson are kind of the two faces of American basketball moving forward. Anthony Davis is the closest thing we have to someone in their 20s who is an American superstar. You could argue Devin Booker is right in that same group. Jason Tatum is going to have his own signature shoe line. But for the most part, like in about three, four years, John Morant and Zion Williamson are what we have for American faces of basketball, for the what I'm now dubbing to be like the Luka, Zion, John Morant generation. And Anthony Edwards is getting in this game too, but like those are the players the league is going to be banking on moving forward. And John Morant is uh, already a big face of Nike because the superstar athlete who does flashy dunks and incredible plays is often very marketable as a signature shoe athlete. We saw Russell Westbrook was successful at selling shoes for Jordan. Derrick Rose was the face of Adidas for a whole bunch of years. Most recently, we saw Kyrie Irving be the face of Nike, and then they moved from Kyrie Irving to John Morant. Like Those guys tend to be signature shoe athletes, and John Morant has his own signature shoe. Nike is banking on him as their face going forward because, if I remember correctly, Luka is a Jordan guy. Zion is a Jordan guy. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I think John ja Morant is now the quote-unquote face of Nike under 27 years old. I mean, Nike's still banking on LeBron James and Kevin Durant as their biggest signature shoe athletes, and I think it's a good move that that's their best signature shoe athletes. But Giannis ain't moving shoes the way John ja Morant will for Nike in a couple of years. And so it's interesting to see John ja Morant, who's carrying like – 
not just of carrying a shoe company and not just carrying an entire city by proxy of being the star player for the Memphis Grizzlies, in addition to being the breadwinner in his family at 23 years old. And so I look at John Morant with empathy. I look at John Morant as a young person who's struggling. When you see those videos of him just downing back alcohol, it makes it easier to look at him and empathize a little bit with him. When you hear stories about him going to bars in South Carolina and being a bit recluse because he doesn't want to live in Los Angeles or live in Houston. He wants to disappear when he's not uh, in the NBA. He wants to go back to the country of South Carolina. He wants to be country boy, chilling at a small bar, despite the fact that he is the face of American basketball under 25 years old. Like, John Morant is this easy figure to empathize with, and the reputation that he's earned doesn't really match the character. But again, it's governing based on public relations. When people see young black man flashing gun, young black man throwing away his millions and millions of dollars... Even if it's not grounded in reality, it's a stereotype that doesn't garner a whole lot of empathy amongst predominantly white customers. And I'm not saying like it's predominantly white customers who are bashing John Morant or find the public relations negatively against John Morant. Like there are even this becomes a class issue and a race issue, and it's hard to intertwine race and class together because it's hard to talk about race without talking about class because they're just so interconnected throughout the structures and systems of America. And so when you see public reaction from, say, the the low the the class of America that envies the John Morant, you know, the millionaire throws away his money, how could you be so stupid type of people in the conversation. When you combine that with the race aspects and then you bring the politics of guns and gun rights into this for America, it just creates a firestorm where John Morant becomes, in a way, toxic, but becomes toxic for all the wrong reasons. And I feel really bad for John Morant in this situation because this is a young person who is, by most indications, using high dopamine activities, sex addiction, using alcohol addiction, uh, using thrills with guns as a coping mechanism because there is no real escape for John Morant. And we talked about this a little bit when we did talk about John Morant back in March, which we only touched on him, I think, for a podcast and a half because I really just didn't have much to say about John Morant. One of the things that I recognized is the Memphis Grizzlies are weighing the pros and cons of how far can our how far do we as an employer have to look after the well-being of of our most valuable employee our highest paid employee in the entire organization what responsibility do we have to look behind the well-being of the young person not just in terms of him mentally not just him in terms of his financial well-being but also the person who's at risk of getting pulled up on and shot, like for the well-being of John ja Morant, the human being, what is our responsibility to him as our employer to look after his well-being while also recognizing he got to come out here and perform 
because I knew when John Morant got suspended or when John Morant went to the rehab facility and then they called it a suspension. Like we knew John Morant was going to be back for the playoffs and we knew the problems that John Morant was dealing with playing around with guns, fighting 17 year olds and flashing guns, uh, downing alcohol to try and cope with problems. Like these are problems and, and him addressing it in his initial suspension or him being placed on leave by the Grizzlies was talking about him needing to treat mental health and him needing to treat his well-being. He said it, the care facility that they went to in Florida suggested that they wanted to do right by him, that this is this is a real tried and true mental health problem. And it can be multiple things intertwined at once, but specifically he does deserve the benefit of the doubt on the mental health stuff. Because the evidence, what little evidence we have, that evidence is there, that this is a mental well-being problem and this is a person who feels like he cannot escape the pressure and stresses of not just being in a a, a multi-million dollar economy for the city of memphis for the nba at large for nike as their and beyond nike as the face of american basketball under 26 years old like john morant carrying all of that along with just the pressures to be able to perform at that level as an NBA basketball player and the amount of work and dedication. We talked about this with Giannis two weeks ago. Like Giannis was ready to quit in 2020 because the, the burnout of year after year trying to put in this much work and putting so much pressure on the dream turned the dream into the nightmare. And what it feels like for John Morant is putting a lot of pressure on the dream is turning the dream into a nightmare. And in that nightmare, there isn't really a way to escape because this is your life. You are Ja Morant. Like, there's no way to not be Ja Morant anymore. And so his way of escaping is alcohol, coping mechanisms like sex or going to the club. But, like, those two points can kind of be intertwined at times. Like, we've seen evidence of both with John Morant. And we'll talk about that with Zion Williamson, too, in a minute. Like, emotional connection and sex is what Zion Williamson craves as his form of escape. And for John Morant, it's sex addiction. It's alcohol addiction. It is uh, coping mechanisms, like, with the thrill with guns. Like, that is... The coping mechanism for real mental health problems here with John Morant. And so it feels like 25 games was way too much of a suspension for John Morant. And him not playing until December gives adequate time where if John Morant wants to work to develop healthy coping mechanisms, work on his mental health, and wants to continue being John Morant because it doesn't sound like he all that enjoys being John Morant outside of playing basketball, which has been a lifelong dream of his. It doesn't sound like he finds particular enjoyment outside of the rest of it. But again, I don't know John Morant, so this is why it's difficult to figure this stuff out because I don't know the person John Morant is. I don't know what kind of coping mechanisms he wants to deal with this life that he has and this situation he has. So, like, I I just don't know what the solution is for John Morant. Like, obviously, he's not going to be playing for the Grizzlies again until December. Granted, that's a lot of time in between when the season ended for the Grizzlies, which was in late April, until now. That's two months 
plus another six, plus the amount of training that goes into keeping your body ready to come back. Like, I I don't know what the solution is for John Morant because I don't know how to diagnose the problem. Mental health struggles and unhealthy coping mechanisms can mean a whole lot of different things. And this is why it's been so hard to figure out how to talk about this John Morant story is because there's so many aspects of this that I don't know what is best for John Morant. I don't know how much time it's going to take. I know it's going to take more than the two months or 96 hours they had allocated, or two weeks or 96 hours they had allocated during that first suspension that wasn't really a suspension. They just called it a suspension later, even though they kind of sent him away for a few games and still got paid. But I guess with the suspension, he didn't end up getting paid after that. He kind of had to give some of that money back. At the same time, I don't know what is best for him and his well-being. Because when we talk about, yes, this feels like a mental health problem. And yes, this looks like a person using sex and alcohol and the thrills and dopamine that comes with having guns to cope with stress and a lot and just daily life of being John Morant and it's not healthy coping mechanisms so much so that it is bleeding over into his public life and bleeding over into his day-to-day well-being in ways that we can see and because I don't know what specifically the coping mechanisms are to fix and because I don't know what the, the the root causes specifically, I mean, we threw out some explanations as to what it could be, him being the most prominent American basketball player, him having a city's expectations, a being the best American basketball player, or the face of American basketball under 27 years old. Like, we could point to all of that stuff, and him being a Murray State guy from rural South Carolina who... I shouldn't say rural, from country South Carolina who went to Murray State in western Kentucky who three years later is the face of American basketball that no one expected. No one expected he would be that guy. Like, I can't diagnose exactly what the problem is, and because I can't diagnose what the problem is, I don't know what the best course of action for him to to develop healthy coping mechanisms are, what the root cause of a lot of this is, or how much time it's going to take. Because addiction and unhealthy coping mechanisms are things that people deal with for their entire lives. It's really, really hard to develop healthy coping mechanisms. It's really, really hard to break some of these addictions, even if it's not on a dependency level. It's really, really hard to stop drinking alcohol. It's really, really hard to start losing weight. It's really, really hard to to break habits that might be regarded as coping mechanisms. It's really tough. Some people go their entire lives without being able to accomplish this, and they deal with the, the ramifications and the consequences. It's really hard to break some of these tendencies. And so because I don't know what specifically John Morant needs, I don't know what the best course of action is for him going forward. And I don't know how much time it's going to take, 
but he's got a whole lot of time without playing basketball for the Memphis Grizzlies or being allowed at the Grizzlies facility. Because he's going to have a lot of time on his hands doesn't mean it's going to be used to better serve his well-being. The The easiest thing I can say is he definitely didn't deserve a 25-game suspension. This is based on reputation and public relations. However, just because you gave him a 25-game suspension doesn't mean it's going to be rock bottom. Doesn't mean that this is going to continue to be a coping mechanism for him. Doesn't mean that it's going to weigh on him even more because of the guilt of the money that he's let go, the people he's let down. John Morant's statement was very specific about some of this stuff, talking about um, the the commissioner and the league office is who he was apologizing to. Then he was apologizing to the kids who look up to him, which seems to be a big deal for him because in his original apology after the first suspension, he said something similar. And here, I'm just going to read the full statement here. I've had time to reflect and realize how much hurt I've caused. I want to apologize to the NBA, the Grizzlies, my teammates, and the city of Memphis. To Adam Silver, Zach Kleiman, and Robert Para, who gave me the opportunity to be a professional athlete and have supported me. I'm sorry for the harm I've done. To the kids who look up to me, I'm sorry for failing you as a role model. I promise I'm going to be better. To all my sponsors, I'm going to be a better representation of our brands. And to all my fans, I'm going to make it up to you, I promise. I'm spending the offseason and my suspension continuing to work on my own mental health and decision making. I'm also going to be training so that I'm ready to go when I can be back on the court. I know my teammates are going to hold it down, and I'm so sorry I won't be out there with you at the beginning of the season. I hope you'll give me a chance to prove to you over time I'm a better man than what I've been showing to you. And I don't know what it's going to take for the offseason and the time during his suspension to help work on his mental health and decision-making. Like you said, I don't know what that entails for him. I would love to know. I would love to know the person a little bit better. I just understand that's not the reality. And I don't have that access to information. It's really, really hard to break some of these tendencies, especially if you have a dependency on alcohol, which John Moran has exhibited at times, especially if you have a dependency on the thrills of guns to help you cope and the dopamine that that provides, the dopamine of sex. Like, there's just a lot there. And a lot that could be based in reality that could be easier for him to break, could be easier for him to manage in a way, because it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Sometimes that's what people need, but that's not always what people need. I don't know what the solution is because I don't know what the problems are. And I don't know if even this amount of time is going to help him work it because I don't know if this is the lowest moment. If this is the turning point, if this is the getting his shit together moment, like, I don't even know if this is that moment. And I wish him nothing but the best during a suspension that was probably a bit over the top. But I wish him nothing but the best and wish that I had more information to be able to accurately give perspective on this situation. All right, so real quick, speaking of the faces of American basketball under the age of 26, Zion Williamson has been in the news because, if you don't know, a 
Zion Williamson and a woman of reputation, shall we say. You can Google more about this story. I'm sure you've all heard of it. Zion Williamson and her having a baby together. And Zion Williamson's ex, who is a famous porn star, started spilling the tea and the DMs from Zion Williamson. This has been a whole story for about a week and a half now. And... The Pelicans have made it clear they want to go get Scoot Henderson with either the second or third pick in the draft. They're currently sitting at pick number 14. They want to go up to get Scoot Henderson or uh, they want to get Scoot Henderson from the Blazers or the Hornets. And the way they would do that is probably by trading Zion Williamson. I don't think Brandon Ingram is going to be good enough to get them up there in the draft. And Brian Windhorst said on Friday that Zion Williamson and the Pelicans have a minimal relationship. And if you remember, Zion Williamson wanted to play for the New York Knicks. He didn't want to go to New Orleans in the first place. The same way that Victor Wembenyama was excited to go to the San Antonio Spurs and he had said that it had been spoken into existence. He knew that the San Antonio Spurs were going to be the team that he landed on. Yeah, Zion Williamson didn't want any of that. That was that was not Zion Williamson's goal. There's a special relation between France and the Spurs because of, because of Tony, of course, and Austin Boris. And um, I know half of the country, if not the whole country, wanted the Spurs to have the first pick. So I was looking at everyone and everyone was happy. So I was too. You had said that the universe told me? Not to brag about it, but I, I knew what was going to happen. And uh, I actually recorded myself uh, saying it this morning, walking to practice. So, yeah, the universe told me dreams, feelings. Yeah. It happens sometimes. But it, it never, it, it, it's never wrong. It's always right. So remember, that was after the draft lottery. When Yama wanted to go to San Antonio, Zion did not want to go play for the Pelicans. And... Safe to say the relationship hasn't gone great so far. Pelicans had gave him an extension because any team would have given him an extension even without seeing him play. We talked about this with Wembenyama, how those generational-type prospects defy all the structures and systems of the NBA because as soon as the Spurs won the draft lottery on Victor Wembenyama, their Forbes valuation went up half a billion dollars. Victor Wembenyama is worth half a billion dollars at least to the Spurs organization. So if Zion Williamson, just by landing on the Pelicans, increases that franchise's valuation by $400 million, well, he's worth the $200 million Supermax that you're signing him to, even if you haven't seen him play more than 80 games in his NBA career. And by the way, since signing the Supermax extension, Zion's played 29 games. Signed the Supermax after a, se- after a year where he missed the entire season. Doesn't have a great relationship with his teammates. Brian Windhorst is saying he has a minimal relationship with the organization. And this is where I feel really bad for Zion Williamson. This is a story that came out uh, last Thursday amidst all the news that Zion Williamson had been for. Howard Beck put this out uh, when Teresa Witherspoon who is an assistant coach, former WNBA superstar. She is an assistant coach for the Pelicans who's leaving the organization. And Teresa Witherspoon, 
was someone who had a close relationship with Zion Williamson. That was one of Zion's go-to people, helped him in his early years when he first got to New Orleans and the adjustment of going from South Carolina to New Orleans and transitioning to the NBA. And Howard Beck put this story out after the news that Teresa Witherspoon was leaving the Pelicans organization to kind of underline what the last year and change had been like for Zion Williamson. And this is before we find out about him having a child with a woman of reputation and everything that happened with his former partner who is still his partner as the porn star Mariah Mills. This is, before all that happening, a story that Howard Beck had put out about this. The toll grew so heavy that Zion Williamson could hardly mask the strain. After a home game one night, as he walked out of the Smoothie King Center, he ran into Pelicans assistant coach Teresa Witherspoon, a close friend and confidant. Hey, are you okay? She asked. No, Williamson replied. I'm not. And when he said no, he just fell into my arms, Witherspoon said. A long conversation followed, part counseling session, part pep talk, unconditional support mixed with moments of tough love, and many tears shed along the way. At that most vulnerable moment, quote, it was important for me to let him know that he's a great young man and he's worthy of those things that you work for, says Witherspoon, the former WNBA Hall of Famer. I could see a young man fighting to find his way, had lost all sense of direction, and I just wanted to reach out at that moment and to let him know I didn't care about basketball. I cared about what he was feeling, what he was thinking, how difficult were things for him at that moment. That story was from 2022. That was in fall of 22 before this season before the injuries piled up again with the back before his teammates questioned why he wasn't out there near the end of the playoffs before everything that came out about him and Mariah Mills before learning that his baby mama was a woman of reputation of sorts before all of this happened with Zion Williamson This was what the relationship looked like with the Pelicans. This is what two years of rehab, two years of injuries, and two years of setbacks looks like for a person. And it made me feel really, really bad for Zion. It made me feel empathy for Zion Williamson. In part because his life would have been so different if he hadn't gone to New Orleans. His life would have been so different if it hadn't gone this way. Maybe the injuries still pile up. Maybe he still gets clowned for being overweight. Maybe the internet is just cruel and telling him to eat a salad all the time. Maybe all of this happens in a different context. His life might have been so different if he hadn't gone to the Pelicans in the first place. And I used to think that if the Pelicans failed Zion Williamson that would be it for basketball in New Orleans and while it seems like that ownership group is still committed to keeping basketball in New Orleans this whole run has been an abject failure 
And it makes me feel so much empathy for Zion Williamson because that is a young man who is clearly struggling with the weight of expectations and clearly getting bullied for being overweight and clearly getting bullied for ha- for the women that he's with, even getting kink-shamed a little bit. This is a man who has been battling the mental the mental burden of rehab, which has knocked down even the most mentally strong of athletes, the cycle of injury rehab, injury rehab, combined with questions about weight, combined with questions about training staffs, carrying the burden of expectation of being the best draft prospect since LeBron James. It all feels so tough for Zion Williamson. And like Teresa Witherspoon talked about, you could see a young man fighting to find his way and had lost all sense of direction. I feel for Zion. Real deep empathy for Zion Williamson. And in a way, I hope that he gets out of New Orleans. Not because it'll fix the problems that are going on in his life, but because that man is clearly hurting. And he is an easy character to feel good for. And I wish him nothing but success. And hopefully that comes with another team, another situation where he just might be better supported. Maybe he's starting to build that support system with his baby mama. Maybe he's starting to build that support system with the people in New Orleans or wherever he's training now. I know he went to Portland for a while while he was doing his rehab last year. Maybe he's starting to build that support system. Or maybe the support system has decided, we've failed you, and we got to work out something different. It really, really sucks for Zion, and I'm rooting for him. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up occasionally on Sundays. Thank you for continuing to support our dreams. Five-star reviews, downloads, all of it is greatly appreciated, and we just thank you so much for continuing to help support our dreams. We'll be back again tomorrow. And in the meantime, Take It Easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.